0: Hello and welcome back to this social club brought to you by the Chronicles of Aguna and sponsored by tvsportsblog.com. Head over there, check out the fantastic website. There's some brilliant content covering a wide variety of sports. It's the social club and we're touching on a number of non-Arsenal related topics this evening uh, which is always interesting and once again I'm joined by a fantastic panel really happy uh, to welcome back to the show uh, freelance football writer and Newcastle United fan Harry Lacosimo welcome mate how are you doing?
1: Hi Harry I'm good thank you thanks for having me back on.
0: Absolute pleasure mate it's an absolute pleasure as always and also joining us is the uh, the big man from ninety-minute football, the creative <laughs> director, the man, the, the myth, the legend is Ben Haynes. Welcome back. I
2: tell ben. you what, it's a real joy, Harry, to be on a show where we're kind of like not actively having to be hostile towards each other, which is quite nice for a change. huh?
0: Agreed. There's agreed.
2: There's no, there's no horrible bitterness in North London at the moment, so it's a rare, <laughs> a, a rare pause in hostilities.
0: Absolutely, it does make a change, doesn't it? Things have, uh, <laughs> things more important things have taken president, I suppose. Uh, sure. So, so that's it. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about, of course. And I know that football's on pause, and I know that people are bored. Um, I know that people are struggling. However it's important to say that what is going on in the world is much more important than football people's lives and people's health is of course the number one priority. And so uh, it, there's no absolutely no doubt in my mind, and I'm sure you guys agree that football shouldn't resume until it's absolutely safe to do so. Uh, not just say for the fans that attend the games, but for the players, for the staff, for the journalists, for the broadcasters, for everybody, because this is a really serious thing. And I, I know people, um, that have sadly passed away uh, due to this virus. So fingers crossed, people are sticking to the rules, sticking to the guidelines and taking it seriously because it is really, really important. Now, one of the things we're going to talk about on this week's edition is the imminent takeover at Newcastle United. Well, we understand that it's imminent. That's what all the reports are saying. Harry, do you, are you still cautious about this? Because I've, I've heard from other Newcastle fans today that until they see it, uh, breaking news on Sky Sports: the yellow bar. Uh, they're not going to believe a word of it.
1: That's exactly the way most most Newcastle fans are because they've been burnt so many times. There's this a club that's been on the market for two and a half years now. Um, it's never been at this point though. I think that's the crucial thing you've got to say. This is the uh, the closest it's 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 going to get um, because of the clout of of uh, the people who are interested. Amanda Staveley's. Really, I, I wrote a piece uh, this today and said, you know, she's really the the person who's defined this whole saga. Mike Ashley's tried to sell the club three times. This is the third time he's tried. This sort of d- defined it more than anyone because she was at the, uh, the, the last game before the the, shirt, uh, the club was put on sale in 2017. Uh, then she came back and tried. It was called a time waster by Ashley, went back, you know, went and got the the small matter of the um, Saudi Arabian... <laughs> public we- public wealth fund involved and and has come back and, and looks just about ready to 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 take to control the the deal is agreed in in, a, in effect it just needs uh, the Premier League ratification which is a which is the always something that when people asked was never was never even on the on the radar before so it, it is kind of you know Get excited time. Newcastle fans have this thing called hashtag cans where they can get the beers out and get and celebrate. <laughs> they you know, and they're asking me all the time, asking other journalists whether they can get the cans out. And I've I've had to say put the cans on ice for now, but you know, maybe in a month's time, who knows?
0: Absolutely. And fingers crossed, I do hope for you guys that it does go through because we know that Mike Ashley's uh, time at Newcastle United hasn't been uh, easy for the fans. Ben, from an outside perspective, none of us are Newcastle United fans. Do you feel for, for Newcastle and what they've had to endure under Mike Ashley? Or are you a bit like me in the sense that I'm not saying that he's a good owner, but I've not seen it to be as bad as maybe some of the Newcastle fans do? Do you reckon, though,
2: mate, I, I, I often wonder this. I often wonder whether that when we look from the outside, we're able to almost siphon out emotion from any kind of view that we, that, that we take on Mike Ash's time at, at Newcastle. I spoke to a guy today called uh, Rob, who runs a channel called Rubenstein, which is he, a fairly prominent sort of Newcastle blogger. Um, and I don't know if you remember, Harry, but we used, to, we used to work with him back in the day a couple of years ago when we were at, at 90 Min. Um, and and he made the point that about 10 years ago or nine years ago, he was working behind the bar in, in uh, St. James's Park. And people would be actively refusing to buy pints in the stadium because they were like, I want to support the team and I want to support the players but I don't want to support this version of Newcastle United and when he said that to me it just sort of it, it really struck a chord with me because I was like god that must be horrible the idea of going to going to match day and then wanting actually no part of the club on a on a deeper level than just like look I want to watch a team and then I want to get out of here because this has ruined my match day experience so I'm kind of a little bit torn because I do know what you mean in terms of um, if you look at where Newcastle are, to some extent, you would say player for player and and, and in terms of money spent, which has been next to nothing, they are in a a fairly passable position at the moment. But to say that almost implies the idea that you shouldn't be emotional about football and you shouldn't actually have some deeper rooted connection to your club because yeah, I, I would have hated being a Newcastle fan for the entire time that he's been in charge of the club
0: absolutely and i and i completely agree with that i think you summed that up perfectly in the sense of as non newcastle fans Perhaps we don't understand the nuances of what it is that Mike Ashley's done that has pissed everybody off. Essentially, um, you know, he showed what kind of a person he is uh, with the way he's handled Sports Direct, and um, you know, I've not only the, the decision to try and keep them open when everybody else was closing because apparently Bonnet t-shirts are, uh, you know, essential items these days. Gee, uh, that
2: was frightening, <laughs> wasn't it? Slashing, Slazen- frightening.
0: Slazinger socks and Jeez. things like that, you know. That's one of those things that really...
2: Uh, it kind of helps to open your eyes as a neutral, right? Is that you start looking and go, hang on a second. If this was a, a thousand micro decisions being made like that about your club, you know? And I mean, I, Harry, I guess you, like me, saw the saw the stuff that Rio Ferdinand was saying and the backlash that he got when he came out in support of Mike Ashley.
1: I think that that was the thing that... You know, just to go back to what you were saying about emotion, I think that is... that is the The point is made... Perfectly there because there are plenty of people who who do see and they point to things and they say you know they're in the Premier League they're mid table it could be worse it could be Barry they could be you know Blackburn Bolton or whoever you know there are clubs that are worse off but you know not even ag- acknowledging the fact that Mike Ashley has seen two two relegations out of six in Newcastle's in, uh, entire one hundred and twenty seven year history anyway um, looking even just at that. <laughs> It it is very frustrating because you because it's it's all about the emotion of just not being interested. Just that city, Newcastle as a city, is a, it just lives for football. And if you've got people like that, which you do across the city, who who are boycotting this season, and even even the the only reason they came back before was because of Rafa Benitez who reconnected everything before. Um, that that's what you that's the the emotional side of it is what is missing in the argument that that. Suggest that Mike Ashley hasn't been that bad. There is no suggestion to say Mike Ashley has been a good owner because he hasn't. But to say he's not been that bad, you can understand from a cold, hard facts or even financial perspective, or all that. You, you can you can perceivably come up with an argument to say he hasn't been that bad. But actually, if you look at it from a from a deeper perspective, he's been an absolute disaster for Newcastle. And the the Real Ferdinand thing really struck a chord because he was so hypocritical. Because he came back later and said about Manchester United and how you know all these players who you know these big signs and things like that. The the thing that really frustrated me about what Real Ferdinand said was that Mike Ashley shouldn't go out and buy big players because they could get injured a week later, which is the case literally for every big sign that's ever been made in the history of football. <laughs> but um, you know what? But and then you could figure out that that. There were these links between Rio Ferdinand's five and Sports Direct, and people came and said, "Is he being, you know, is he being, you know, not paid off or anything like that?" But is he being, you know, is he is is his opinion being sort of shaped by that? I I, I couldn't possibly comment on that, but but this is the whole misunderstanding. I think people just look at what he's done on the face of it. Which, by the way, Newcastle are in in Europe, I think four out of five seasons before he took over, they have, they've been in Europe once in 13 years since. And, and right now they are absolutely no nowhere near, so you know and so even acknowledging the fact that he's had two relegations and brought them back to a sort of middling middling point they're still miles away from where they were you know two or three years before before he took over them
0: absolutely and are you excited by the prospect of of these new owners because from what we're reading and from what we understand they're they're talking a good game, they're talking about investment and it is something that you need nowadays to, to compete at the highest level. We've seen others sort of get close without a great deal of investment, but sustaining it nowadays is really, really difficult. I mean, you can count on one hand how many teams have, have won the Premier League without spending a lot of money. So are you optimistic about what they might bring to the table and that Newcastle could perhaps go on and, and bring in a, a higher calibre of player?
1: yeah I mean there's all sorts of like moral questions you've got to ask yourself and things about saudi arabians and and those things I think need to be considered in it to a degree but from a purely uh, football perspective, I think those things by the way are things to answer in another day when the takeovers are completely sorted but from a football perspective, you've got to be excited about what could happen because this is a club that hasn't won anything in sixty you know I think it's how sixty years this year or um fifty years this year or last year that since their last won a trophy so So you know you've got to be excited about that. The the thing that Newcastle fans really wanted was just to compete, just to be you know ambitious again in any sense. You know even if it it didn't have to be you know competing with Manchester City and Liverpool and playing in the Champions League and whatever. If it was just you know the aim was under Benitez was always just to try and push for the top seven, top, top eight. That would have been you know if Newcastle came in with an owner and had that happen, that would have been absolutely fine. This is on a different level and. As you can imagine, the the, the whole city is going to be bouncing because there's a possibility of getting back to the, you know, there's a realistic possibility of getting back to the Keegan, to Bobby, Robson and even e- eclipsing those eras. And you can't, you know, that that's going to be, as a prospect, you can't help but get excited about that.
0: Of course, absolutely. Um, ben, let's talk a little bit about your side Spurs. Um, of course, They've had some bad press lately because they announced that they would be furloughing um, a load of their non-playing staff. They've since reversed that decision. In your opinion, though, reputationally, has the damage already been done? Uh, yeah, look, I mean,
2: I, I, I feel quite strongly about the idea that this period of time that we're in now, obviously bizarre and unprecedented as it is, people will remember and they'll remember how people acted in that time. And Seb staff- Stafford-Bloor put out a really good tweet, I thought, the other day about um, people won't forget and people will chant this at Tottenham. St- at, when they come to Spurs' stadium, they'll chant this at, at Spurs fans and they'll chant this to the team on the pitch about how that they sort of almost like sold out their own staff to some extent. And um, I saw also a number of people kind of like criticising journalists who, who praised liverpool for reversing their decision um i don't think i don't think you should be massively praised when you reverse a, a wrong decision i think you should just people should acknowledge that you did the right thing the thing with liverpool is they did it after spurs and they reversed the th- decision before spurs sort of look at the way tottenham tottenham handled it and once again my my real concern with the club is the way in which they communicate these these messages the way in which i like, We found that Simon Stone from the BBC reported this week that Daniel Levy was told this would be a PR nightmare. He was told that this would be widely, widely panned by both the media and by fans. got to the point where Spurs couldn't actually tweet off the main club account without getting ratioed by people literally commenting underneath saying, pay your staff, pay your staff, pay your staff. I, I think, unfortunately, and much it pains me to say it, Spurs will leave this period whether they like it or not as as one of the bad guys as one of the people that during this really difficult time got it wrong and there's not no matter they did some brilliant stuff this week in terms of like repurposing an entire wing of the stadium to to turn it into an nhs healthcare center and using um using huge parts of the stadium for for kind of postnatal work and it, and, and also, like, doing loads of great stuff. You, Toby Adebayo doing stuff with fans and kind of, like, supporting NHS workers. And you think all of that just gets completely ignored because at the key times, we've got the key decisions completely wrong. And you look across at, at other sides. All you have to do is go into the championship and look at a side like Leeds. And see the way that they behaved, Immediately said, "Look, we're all in this together. We'll all take a pay cut together, and we'll all work out how we're going to look after our own staff." Because that's the the real kicker, right? Is that we? I think as fans and as people who work in the industry, we look at the people that we know that work at clubs, and we think, "Oh my God, you're you're just like you're right. We're we're not we're not in the in in the the stratosphere like the players are, earning millions of pounds a week. It could be you're right that gets furloughed, you know." And so it hits you on a slightly deeper level because you're like, God, that sucks that we just wouldn't look after the people that make the club what it is. Sorry, I realize I've
0: gone on a little bit of a rant no, now, no, I, no, that's... I do feel really
2: I do feel really strong. I feel I feel really let down. Um I don't think Tottenham are a brilliant communicator as a club anyway, but I feel like it's been particularly poor. And then to see Mourinho out in the park with Endon I mean it's frightening. It's actually frightening. Like, I I, I it really, it really has bothered me considering the amount of national press around the idea of staying at home. There's a briefing from the government every single day, and and not interacting with people that you don't live with. And then we see Mourinho down the park with Ndombélé, and I'm like, where are we? <laughs> What's yeah, going
0: on? That's nuts. When I saw that, I couldn't, I couldn't believe my eyes. That was crazy stuff. And and you're absolutely right what you said about the um the, the club's account because I actually wrote a couple of pieces on. Uh, Spurs in the last week or so and um, prior to them reversing the decision you're absolutely right we were looking at uh, some of the club's uh, official posts and it was literally every comment was pay your staff or there was a video that the club posted of Jan Vertonghen, um saying you know we're all one team we're all in this together yeah oh, I mean <laughs> and then some what people, I mean exactly people were commenting underneath saying yeah unless it's you're risky, uh, unless you're a member of staff, it's, it's crazy. Harry, what did you make of it? For, again, outside perspective looking in. I, I mean, I expected some Premier League clubs to to take up the furlough scheme. I don't really have an issue with that because I think that there are clubs who this will affect dramatically. But I did kind of at the, the outset of this thing, think to myself, I don't expect any of the, the big six to do it. I expect them to lead the way here. Um, and given the, the TV rights that they generate and the, sort of prize money that they picked up over the last few years. I thought they had a moral obligation, I'm going to say, to to do the right thing. And and were you surprised to see a club as big as Tottenham? And this is not me just bashing Tottenham. You know, when Liverpool said they were going to do it, my reaction was the same. And I completely agree with Ben that they don't really deserve a great deal of praise for reversing a wrong decision.
1: But Well, you say that, you know, from the outside, but do you know who the first club to furlough staff in the yeah. Premier League? Newcastle. And they still haven't. They still haven't come back and said that they're not going to do it. And they've taken money from season tickets as well. So this is my. And, and the funny thing is that Mike Ashley hasn't got anywhere near the back. The backlash that that Tottenham have had. There's not been a mention. There's, you know, the 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 the.
0: Is that because we, we expected it from him,
1: man? I was going to say. I think maybe, perhaps because of the the whole Sports Direct thing, the season ticket thing, and now the takeover potentially. There's there's a. It's almost got lost in the middle of it. But you know, Newcastle have. But given the, the chance to, to to not, you know, I've written two articles. Um, once one asking them, please don't, you know, please don't charge fans for season tickets. They went and did that. Uh, I've asked them this, I've written a piece of saying, don't, you know, you've got to go back and furlough because Tottenham now have Bournemouth since have done it and Liverpool did it. The thing I would say about Liverpool, the difference between Liverpool and Newcastle, maybe not Spurs, Liverpool got so much heat because they deliberately put themselves forward as a, a socialist or a you know, real sort of people's club you know you'll never walk alone and that that you know to say you'll never walk alone and then furlough staff is very very silly um I think maybe that's why Liverpool got more heat than Newcastle and perhaps it's because we just expected from Mike Ashley he'd already been under heat for for, for the sports direct thing and and not you know not locked a, 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 a lockdown uh, I agree I completely
2: well. the, 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 just on that sorry really quickly mate is that Liverpool also are far better at mobilising their fans in terms Absolutely. of almost like on a socialist level, almost like the ability to get people together and say, "Hang on, we're all going to step up together, yeah. and we're all going to go back against this." Whereas I think for a club like for a club like Spurs, Newcastle have done it in the past, but like for, for Newcastle and Spurs, I don't think their fans are mobilised in the same way. I don't know if that's fair about about Newcastle.
1: No, no, I think I think because because. I, I, I think you are right to a degree. And I think it's just it's very I, I can't really answer why that is, but it is it is very much like that whole thing and, and Newcastle as the first ones to do it, it was it didn't it didn't even generate the sort of news that when Liverpool or Spurs did it, when Newcastle were the first. Obviously there's also Norwich involved who haven't who haven't come back. Norwich, if there is a Premier League club who who are struggling financially, Norwich have quite consistently said they didn't have the money to spend in the window and whatever. Obviously, there's a there's a gap with with what might happen with Newcastle in the next transfer window, considering what may happen with this takeover. But if Newcastle under Mike Ashley or Tottenham under Daniel Levy or Liverpool under you know the the FSG, if they go and buy players in the summer, then what does that say? What why you know it was just complete opportunism, and that sums up why businesses like you know, Premier League. Forget clubs and the size, but businesses the size of Premier League clubs are furloughing staff. It's not supposed. To, it's just pure opportunism. It's, it's it's taking advantage of a system that was there to to help smaller clubs. And you know, for, with Spurs's perspective, from Spurs's perspective, the thing that frustrated me a little bit was with Spurs in particular was Levy saying you can work on, you can almost become my gardener or something like that, and that was very sort of like that didn't help his his personal. The way he looked, but but I I felt a lot of frustration, and I've written a lot of things, and I've said a lot of things about Newcastle, perspe- particularly because we they were they Newcastle were the first club to do it, and they are still standing there and and not saying anything at all with regards not you know coming back. I don't think clubs deserve praise for not for for taking a step back and and changing their minds, but you know I'm much happier that Spurs and Liverpool and, and Bournemouth have done that than I am, that Newcastle haven't. Uh, this is not a political show, of course. It's no, a football show. That sort of has to become into it because these are, as 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 Ben said, these are real people. These no, are Agreed, agreed. And what I was going to say was that it, it,
0: it, I'm not a political expert, I'll be honest. Yeah. You know, I watch the news now and again, I hear bits and pieces, but I, I'm not someone that I, I would say is particularly clued up on politics but would you not think that as a government perhaps they would have been better served maybe only doing it for companies that had a bit that were below a certain turnover first to see how it went and then they could readjust their budgets because the system's almost been left open to abuse by these clubs by these mega corporations that we know can afford to keep their staff on for three months,
2: well, uh, look, there is a point there, Harry. That one thing I suppose that we should mention is the fact that the clubs are entitled to do this. Like, and, and I would actively, I would say, like from a business perspective, it makes it makes complete sense. Agree. You would try and follow as many of your staff as possible to ensure that the clubs in the healthiest position still operate day to day, the club's in the healthiest position it could possibly be in. I think where the difficulty comes, the reason why we we had the kind of slight edgy fallout to some extent over a couple of weeks with the players, is that we feel that on some level football is like the people's game, right? It, it feels like we all buy into football and because of the the fervent supporters of of the game and the people that invest heavily, not only into their money but their time, from a fan's perspective, that when the going gets tough, you expect people to do the right thing. Um, from almost from like a jumpers for goalposts point of view, right? You just expect that footballers and clubs will act how you want them to do so because they're a, they're a reflection of you. And so when they don't, suddenly you're like, "Whoa!" You're acting like a business. And I think that's where the that's where the weird kind of dichotomy comes. Because People are like Daniel Levy sitting there being like listen, I'm a businessman, I'm running this business to the, the the way that I think will keep it running smoothly as possible. And he, what was almost unforgivable from him is that he threw the players under the bus. He then turned around and he chucked the players under the bus and said, well, they'll have to take pay cuts, hopefully they'll step up. You know, And he really put the pressure on. And he actually turned the whole narrative away from the furlough scheme and the clubs onto, well, wow, the players need to do more. And I mean, thankfully the players did, and thankfully they got together and arranged something brilliant um but unfortunately, the damage was kind of already done, right? because we all then kind of got into this big discussion around who should be doing what and and actually the messaging was the messaging was completely lost, and I come back to the point about communication the the, the point was completely lost it's become like almost like a bit of a witch hunt about who's doing the right thing and who's doing the wrong thing um it's almost It's almost frustrating that we couldn't just from the start. Like the Premier League clubs together from the start couldn't get together in the same way that the players did. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I agree. There, there's, there's so many things to, there's so many angles that you can look at it from. You, you're absolutely right to make the point that from a business perspective, it makes absolute sense. It's just for me, it's still I guess,
2: unforgivable. Like, still unforgivable. Yeah,
0: I agree with you yeah, it just feels like morally it was the wrong thing to do. And, you know, I was, I was sitting there sort of thinking about it from an Arsenal perspective as well over the, you know, whilst all of this was unfolding and, you know, the way Arsenal's owners have operated in the last few years, I wouldn't have put it past them um, doing something similar. And it was really, I was really nervous and anxious about it because I really didn't want Arsenal to do that because Arsenal traditionally are a club of class in the, you know, maybe in the last few years, things uh, haven't gone as, as we'd have liked. And perhaps there's been a few questionable decisions made at the top. But Arsenal have tended to do the right thing over the years. And so I was re- uh, relieved today to hear uh, that they put out a statement um, and that they spoke of, obviously, the pressures and and stuff that this is going to have on the, on the business model. Um, the executive team have all volunteered to waive more than a third of their income uh, for the next 12 months. Um, they're not intending to use the government furlough scheme and they've announced that the players discussions are ongoing i think they've kind of been go ahead sorry go So, in, so no, i was just going to ask you harry do you, do you
2: like do you think on any level that it's been helpful for arsenal to be able to look across the road and go yeah that was a terrible decision
0: like, absolutely Absolutely. And I think in the last few days, there's been a lot of talk about the Arsenal players and a uh, a pay cut and the fact that they've been disagreeing with the club and all this stuff has been doing the rounds. And I think it's kind of, forced Arsenal into making a statement, perhaps a a little bit prematurely. I don't think that they've reached an agreement with the players. They've said that themselves. Um, But I think they felt that they needed to put this statement out now because of the press and because of what was happening uh, down the road and what's happened at other clubs. You know, they didn't want to get themselves in in that mess. And so I think in terms from a PR perspective, they've done a good job of managing that before it actually became a really, really big issue. Um, Harry, in terms of how the Premier League season can continue. Now, we've heard this evening that the Premier League will be meeting again on Friday. Lots of clubs uh, want the season concluded by the end of June due to contract issues, etc. If um, we do see the Premier League season resume, and I, I hope that we do, but I'm still not entirely convinced that there is a safe way of doing it at this moment in time, are you expecting this, you know, Wembley play three games a day or whatever they're talking about? Do you think it's doable?
1: I think the World Cup style thing that they mentioned the same, effectively the same thing, but in the Midlands at Molyneux and things, I think that's probably the, the best way of doing it because I think these things are going to last, you know, the, you know it, it'll be behind closed doors. I think behind closed doors football is going to be a thing for a while. You know, even, after, you know, it's going to be potentially 18 months. I don't Know about that, but it's going to be a while. Um, I think the appetite for the for finishing the season, everybody instantly said it should be finished the week the week the lockdown started. I think if you ask that question now, maybe a few people would say I'm not so much in favour of it for because of because of how things have moved on. Personally, I'd like to see it finished. I think it, you know for integrity. I think if you give Liverpool the the title if it isn't finished, and you hypothetically give Liverpool the title. The people who should be most angry about that are Liverpool because they'll forever be an asterisk against their name, and that will annoy them more than it would give Manchester United fans the, the joy of saying that you know that it was an asterisk. It will annoy Liverpool fans more than anybody else that there's an asterisk on their name. They will not enjoy having the title given to them if it's if it's void completely and dissolved. That feels wrong to me as well because Liverpool are literally two games away and they've played the most brilliant season. Up until this point that anybody ever has, it's not just almost like a run of the mill title-winning season. If you like, they've they've literally just uh, destroyed in it. Like, and like in terms of statistically, like nobody else has ever before. I understand that this is about more than Liverpool and all that, but um, I think ha- to go back to the original point, I think that Wembley or uh, the World Cup style three de- three matches in a day type thing is the best way of doing it to try and group it all together and get it done as quickly as possible is probably the best way of, of getting it done. And I think, you know, June, July, that that hopefully can can take place.
0: Ben, what's your take on this? How would you like to see the season resumed, given the, the, all the circumstances and the restrictions that we're currently under?
2: Yeah, I, I tend to agree with Harry, although I, I do think, tragically, there's already now an asterisk against this season. Like, yeah. it will forever be remembered as the season when yeah. it didn't quite complete. So. If I was a Man United fan, I'd already have that chant ready to go for when, <laughs> when <laughs> Liverpool win the league, that um, they didn't do it properly. I think, it, to be honest, the, the the thing that kind of that sticks out to me is that whatever happens, there will be people that are going to be unhappy. Like The, the people that I'm most worried about, um, and it's probably not the most popular opinion, is Sheffield United and Wolves. Um, because I think that Sheffield United and Wolves have put together runs of results and performances and fixtures that were beyond, to be completely honest, beyond their their kind of average performance, way beyond what anyone expected of them. And I think they were playing at a level that was a cut above what people would usually associate with those teams in terms of um, their ability to go and mix it at the top of the table. And I think Sheffield United went with a really good shout of making a run towards fifth place. And we don't know whether... We don't know whether Man City's um, ban will be upheld. But now we come back and a club like Spurs, a club like Arsenal, a club like United, a club like Chelsea, all of whom get the the benefit of having injuries sort of almost wiped out. Um, Chelsea, an enormous amount of injuries. They had five or six players coming back. Spurs have got four or five top, top players coming back. By the time we come back, you're almost going through pre-season again Mourinho has more time with Spurs players, um, it, you, especially like in Arteta, the box. Especially
0: if he's hanging Yeah, more in the exactly, blocks. exactly.
2: <laughs> Arteta more time with his team. Lampard will then again get an, an almost a mini preseason with his team. So all of the benefits that those teams had worked up will now sort of disappear. And I think we are going to have to finish it. I think it will probably be behind closed doors, just because we're going to get to that point soon where the country just needs something. Um, to, to get their teeth stuck into. Most likely we've tested once we've got to a point where the health services have all been all been tested and there's enough tests to get out and about for uh, first responders and people working on the front line. Um, I imagine probably they'll have to finish the season behind closed doors. What they do next year is, is, I mean, that's anyone's guess right now, but yeah, behind closed doors, most likely. And I just think a real shame that this has happened for the likes of... Sheffield United and for the likes of Wolves and fingers crossed they do continue to compete in a in a way that they that they were doing because they were so good to watch Wolves both both in 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 the Europa League and in the Premier League and Sheffield United just in the way that they approached every single game um, yeah and I just hope they manage to continue that because uh, it, for them to to fall away now would just be so unfair I think
1: agree I, I think there's a Go thing ahead. in there. Sorry, I think there is a thing in there. The saving grace about the season is, in two years' time, the, with the World Cup as it still is being in Qatar, having to be in November, there is a there's an opportunity to line things up for for how you and maybe you could you know talk about maybe basing it around that from now on. I think I completely agree with you on Sheffield United. Having watched them, you know, for work a lot this season, a lot of their games have been won. Purely on the momentum of their style and how intense Chris Wilder is. It all, it's all built around, you know, building on what's gone before, and that is literally very, very difficult to do if you've not played for six, you know, six weeks or whatever. Or it's completely or, right. Absolutely. It's very hard to pick up where you left off doing what they're doing. So I, I really worry that they, if, even if the, the the seasons are finished, that they, that they will tail off now. Because um, I think I I don't know if they would have got relegated they would get relegated next season but next season I you know I really would question whether they would be able to repeat what they've done even if they added you know the right amount of players because it's all to do with momentum and you know starting you know they they started from a place where the momentum was easy to gather because they were newly promoted because their fans uh, are so buoyant and fresh, it was fresh in the Premier League that's very difficult to recreate and I think I do worry about Sheffield United. Have, uh, less less about wolves because I think they have more quality, but I take take your point. Um, but I think in terms of the in terms of the league season, I think you can line it up with the with the World Cup in a few years uh, because that is that that season is going to be already is going to be um, disrupted anyway. So you, you, there, there is maybe an opportunity. The other thing that I think morally, if you're going to talk about what people say to Liverpool fans and whoever, let's remember why the season's been cancelled or, or or not playing and if you know people are dying so it's not you know as you mentioned at the top of the show Harry football isn't important so if you're going to laugh at a football club for not being able to win a title or play because people have died I think there's something in that as well it isn't yeah. just a case and of there's also, there's also an argument
0: there
2: that realistically if this was City at the top of the Prem, we might not be having this discussion as well exactly. you know yeah, I think that's
0: very very true
1: as well
2: and if I mean, it wasn't
0: leads in the championship as well, yeah, no, in, they're, in they're, less...
2: Harry, what about you, mate? Are you? How do you feel about if it if it goes behind closed doors from an Arsenal perspective?
0: I, I'm okay with it going on behind closed doors because I feel like for me, not just not just from a work perspective, because we're all in a position where you know. We all work in the industry now We, you know, for me, it feels like a bit of a kick in the nuts because just as I was getting into the stride of things, this thing has come along and just completely derailed everything. But having said that, I feel like people need football, not just because of work and things like that, but we need it now as a distraction from all the horrible things that are going on out there. And it's, it's, it's horrible to turn on the news every day and you hear, you know, This many thousands of people have died, and uh, this is uh, for me. I need that distraction, I need something to take my focus uh, away from the bad news all the time. And football gives me that, and I don't think I appreciated how much football. Uh, impacts my life outside of work as well until this has happened so it's made me appreciate it I'm never going to complain about Burnley <laughs> Brighton being the Super Sunday ever again <laughs> yeah
2: absolutely the the only thing I would say mate is that you you obviously saw because you follow a lot of Italian football right so you obviously yeah. saw a couple of games behind closed doors there it was weird wasn't it like it was str- a strange watch
0: yeah it was and it did because uh, the Inter Juve game um recently was played behind closed doors and that was basically the title showdown uh, between, you know, the two two favourites, I would say, for the title. Lazio are in uh, there or thereabouts, but I think nobody really expects them to maintain that for the remainder of the season. So to see that game played behind closed doors was a bit surreal. It was a bit of a letdown considering, you know, this was the game and, you know, everybody was looking forward to it. But at the end of the day, it, it doesn't matter how big the game is. We're talking about the lives of people and Italy have been Devastated by this thing, and even they're talking about resuming their season because that's how important football is to them. They want to find a way to to continue, despite uh, you know how long it's gone on for over there. I, I want to see it played out. I don't mind it being played behind closed doors. I think if it's televised, then I think everybody will be okay. People will just have to deal with it. And like I said at the very beginning, it is a distraction, and it's a welcome distraction. And perhaps now. As Harry was saying, you know, you're going to get idiots chanting things, uh, you know, in stadiums about it. You're absolutely right. Perhaps it's time that people took a step back and the tribalism. I don't want the tribalism to totally disappear because that's what partly makes football so special. But it should make people realise that there are lines and there are lines that have been crossed in football for years and years and years. I've heard, uh, you know, supporters chanting things about you know the holocaust we've heard supporters chanting about um the munich air disaster we've heard all of that stuff in the past long before coronavirus come along so maybe this will wake people up a little bit maybe they'll understand that whilst football is important whilst many of us rely on it for not just pleasure but for work as well there are more important things and and so i want to see it played out in the as safest possible way if it's behind closed doors so what we'll, we'll just have to deal with it that's, yeah that's, i agree I agree. That's, I agree as well. that's how I see it. Guys, thank you so much. We've come to the end uh, of the show. It's been absolutely brilliant. Harry, do you want to let our listeners know how they can follow you on social media and keep up with your fantastic work?
1: Yes, I am on Twitter at Harry Cosmo uh, wrote an article for Forbes website today on the takeover. If you want to take a look at that. And uh, also the piece about furlong, which I mentioned earlier uh, in the week, I wrote, which is, uh, which is, you know, it, it's very important as well. So I'm on Twitter at Harry DeCosmo.
0: Brilliant stuff. Harry, I'm,
1: I'm following you as
2: we speak.
0: He's following I'm you. There you, go. you go. Get, you've got getting you've on got,
1: there. You've got a
0: celebrity following you now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: H- Harry Simeon's already following you. Mental.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, ben, thank you so much, mate. I know you're super, super busy, so really appreciate it. No, 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 mate.
2: Always, always got time for you. And and uh, like, thank you so much for having me on. It's It's been uh, like nice, isn't it, having a day where there's been some news. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's actually been something to get your teeth stuck into and actually get going on. Yeah. And I'm, fingers crossed for all of us that we're, as you said, Harry, able to sort of jump back into stride as soon as as soon as things get going again, and we'll build that momentum back up.
0: Absolutely, Ben. How can people check you out on social media? you have probably seen him somewhere in his uh, yeah superb interviews that he does.
2: <laughs> yeah, un, unavoidable at the moment, I think. Like um, at at Ben Haynes um, with two s's at the end on on Twitter or on Instagram, and and then at Ninety Min Football if you want to come across and watch Harry elsewhere as well um we're, we're, we put out sort of daily content on youtube as well so so yeah if you'd love to come a, like to come across and have a have a listener or a watch we'd love to have you
0: make sure you do make sure you follow both these guys and check out the brilliant work that they do uh this show was brought to you by tvsportsblog.com a uh, big hello to john and the team over there and thank you for your kind sponsorship we'll be back very very soon with more until next time take care of yourselves stay safe and stay the fuck at home